No Block, No Rock, Season 2, Episode 17. A rather slow kind of news week for us in Nebraska land. However, we are going to talk a little bit about a recent coaching change that just took place. And we also have a pretty cool interview with a former Nebraska player. If you recall, former defensive back Josh Mitchell. He will join us on the pod. Um, but before we get to that interview, guys, it was just revealed to us that Tony Tuioti is going to Oregon as a defensive line coach for them. Isn't that fitting, though? Like, with just how everything is, because Scott Frost, you know, from the Oregon Chip Kelly tree. Isn't it something? And then Toyoti has never stayed here or stayed at a place longer than two years, and he stays here for three years. And then next thing you know, he's out the door, got paid a little bit more to go to Oregon. Mm -hmm. To me, it's like, hey, I'm jumping ship. And we had just talked about last week, um, you know, like, okay, special teams coordinator, who do you move? When we, you know, Eric and I had brought up Mike Dawson, you know, easy candidate to leave. Mm -hmm. But now, here we are. Yeah. Tony Toyoti leaving. Mike Dawson potentially going back to D-line. What do you think, guys? I mean, I can't say I'm... Okay, I'm a little surprised, a little bit not surprised, right? Because all the, the changes took place on offense. And, I'm, and I just remember thinking, like, why are people just kind of overshadowing the fact that the defense played very well and there was a chance that one of our guys was going to get poached? And, you know... If, if it would have been Tuioti, if you would have told me that, I would have said, yeah, maybe I would have figured Fisher. Yeah. Because, you know, he's, he's, he's our hot girl. He's he's flirted with others in the past, and he's ultimately turned them down. Thank you, Travis. Hopefully you keep turning them down for us. But now that it's Tuioti, it's like I'm not totally surprised going back to the West Coast. The defensive line played pretty well. I mean, we always talk about how the lack of quarterback pressures is kind of disappointing, but... I would always, I would at least put him in the top three or four of our coaches on the staff. I mean, he's yeah. up there, obviously. So, not totally surprising, but a little bit. What do you guys think? What else? Uh, I think in a in a in a one year trial run for Scott, I don't think it's good that he's that he's losing another assistant. Because I mean, if you have to theoretically start over at a at a position, it's just gonna set you back even more. Like nobody on this team is, no position is stacked enough where a new guy can just come in and say, "Go do your thing." Right. Well, here's the other thing. Tuioti was hired by Scott Frost. Yeah, that was actually one of Frost's additions after he came here. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that just like you said, it is kind of like starting over and now you have to find someone else possibly it doesn't bode well for his his future to have yet another new guy on staff next year in a winter get out scenario like and quite frankly the coaching world knows about this situation a lot of the actually all of the top tier guys aren't gonna come here just to move again like, yeah they're not exactly clamoring to come no, to lincoln right now no well let's continue on that I don't think we will be replacing Tony Toyoti. I think Mike Dawson will be moving into that role that he held before he left for the Giants. So that's Mike Dawson going back to the position that he was hired at initially at Nebraska. 
So what that does open would be a running backs coach, hmm. you would assume. Yeah. Because I think special teams will be hired. Bill Bush will probably go in that spot, which opens up running backs, which, you know, last week we talked about potentially Sean Becton taking on that role and having like a GA or an analyst help run that position. But now that right. somebody left, it's honestly a, a good scenario for Scott Frost because now he can just kind of work with what he's got. Guys, do you think Ron Brown will be getting the nod as the next running backs coach at Nebraska? I don't know. I f- <laughs> <laughs> just the way you All said right. that. I don't and, know. And there's just no other. I don't know. I mean, the way it's playing out, you'd think like if they were going to hire somebody, it would have been hired with the, the other three, right? So, I mean, if you do process of elimination, that has to mean it's Ron Brown or nobody, right? But. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I can't see Scott Frost being like, "All right, Ron, uh, you just keep doing whatever you're doing. We're gonna bring in another guy." Like, I don't know. He's already there. I also and don't, he already knows the players. So I also don't know if Ron Brown is is the type of guy that's. So he sees that Frost is what is what he is. I, I don't think he's the type of guy that's like, who what. You're telling me what to do? A guy that's won three national championships? No, ah. no, 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 no. Yeah, no. also you no, think no, no. it'd be like that, huh? Well, okay. I mean, Sean Callahan did say in Rivals that Scott Frost would have the open spot to go get a running back's coach. So, I mean, maybe there's smoke there. I'm not sure. What kind of are you seeing some Amon smoke? No, I don't think there's Amon smoke. I I saw some Amon smoke on Twitter and I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to them hiring Amon Green who's young and hungry and if I go looking down his coaching <laughs> experience, uh, so, well, I guess let's go back oh, first. That long list. What <laughs> coaching experience? Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold let, on. Let me no, no, no. show you. Mike's got this on. He's ready. On the Please do. <laughs> Out the holster. Amon Green. Fire it. Is a head coach, actually. Ready? Oh, he. <laughs> <laughs> he yes, Amon Green is a head esports coach for the Lakeland University Athletics. <laughs> So you can go and fuck right off, Eric, because he has coaching experience. (laughs) And he's a Nebraska guy. He's a Nebraska guy, and he played the running back position at a high level in college and in the NFL. Go pack a go. (laughs) I just... And whatever esports team that is. (laughs) I personally am just over the entire, like, Nebraska Nebraska guy thing aesthetic (laughs) that this university seems to still cream over 20 years 25 years after uh, after the <laughs> Nebraska guy retired, just I, it just makes me feel gross. Ew. We've oh, okay. No. You want to talk about gross? You just said cream. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am I wrong about the university and how they feel? No, See? no, you're not. <laughs> you guys, we're falling apart. <laughs> yeah, now if something is broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Uh, okay, so. And I, I don't want to just jump off the topic of uh, coaching changes, but I'm going to. Can we just stop with the, mm. oh, this team uh, canceled the bowl game. Let's get Nebraska in there. Stop yeah. it. Yes. Just stop. Hey. Yes, please do. Okay. If the head of Barstool tweets out at Nebraska and says, will you play in this bowl game on a short notice? I want Will Compton to help make that happen. Why the fuck Man. not? They've we turned down a bowl game last year. It's not possible. It, I don't think it's possible. There's about a 1% chance that happens. Right. But if Scott Frost did get the call, I already know Samori Torre's in. 
I know that. That's all you need. Yeah, you're in. I mean, like, game over. We won. Don't matter. No, I, I mean, I think we could lose by one score. I, I, I'm, I'm totally in. Doesn't matter what team is out there. We will lose by one score. Right. I'm just saying, it's all these people that are like, seriously, you need to call the Brit, dude. It's not. Po- it's not possible. It's, it's just a bunch of like. It's just a bunch of like, fucking. Well, it's clickbait. Yeah. Because it's, Husker it's, fans love that. It's clickbait and the whole like Twitterverse, the Nebraska Twitterverse. Everybody's just. Yeah, just really selling it. And I'm like, it's not gonna happen. So but I would love it. it. I would. Would you be opposed if if it could happen? Would Would you be okay with it? Oh, I'd love to watch another game. Thank you. I would. It's just not possible. I'd I mean, love I, to watch him add another L to his win loss record. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this whole bull thing. You're right. I am saying it too, and it's just it's like, everywhere. It's it's more embarrassing than anything because it's like it's more of an insult because it's. Like you didn't earn it. Like you only had to get it because all these other teams, they Not have the, Oma, the Omicron or whatever they're calling it. And now you can now you can get a bowl. It's not because you earned it or won it in your own. You you didn't earn it on your own. You had to. I mean, you're right. And and I like it's, I don't I don't care. Oh, I don't mind the 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 whole like three and nine conversation. Like if they were to invite us and if they actually did go play, like I would watch it. All four of us would watch yeah. it. We'd all have a good time Hell watching I, it. I might go to it if it's in Arizona. Right. Free trip. Let's go down there. But maybe it, do an episode there. It always starts. Everybody just, everybody talks about it, talks about it, talks about it. And then it turns into rumors and then everybody gets all excited and then everybody gets disappointed. It's like, dude, just don't stop. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not possible. Cut the shit. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what we don't have to cut is an interview mm. with a former black shirt team captain. And I think it's uh, probably a good time to get into that interview. What do you think? Yeah, Mike, I like that idea. Let's get into the interview with Josh Mitchell. And we hope you guys enjoy it. We have with us on the No Block and Rock podcast, uh, Josh Mitchell, former defensive back who played for the Nebraska Cornhusker football team under Bo Pelini. Josh, we want to thank you very much for coming on the NBNR podcast and taking some time out. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Well, look, I just want to start off. We're going to be releasing this as a video and all that. What does your sweatshirt say? It says more wins. Oh, okay. So on the back, yeah, yeah. I just want. <laughs> What's the back say? Losers focus on winners. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, okay. That that's a that that's something that's good to be wearing right now, considering the state of Nebraska football. But more yeah. wins. Yeah. More wins. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I just want to make it clear that that's the thing that we like a lot is wins, right? Yeah. yeah. So. That's a nice sweatshirt. <laughs> we don't have enough of them currently, and I almost forgot what it's like to win. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but don't, um, don't remind you know, me. What's that? Don't don't remind me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, okay. So since we're kind of on this, this is going to be pretty broad. But you know, I'm assuming that you you've been keeping up with the program as of late. If you could just kind of give us your your overall impressions of you know the squad this past year, um, anything that stood out to you, um, anything that we should do to get better moving forward. Just what's your kind of overall outlook of this program under frost right now? This year, I thought we took a major step in like just the way we came into games. Like I felt like we were in a lot of games. Um, There's what was it like five games that more than five, probably that we really could have won. If you really think about it, we had some miscues on special teams. We had some miscues on offense, defense, you know, that's the way ball goes. But um, this year I, I learned that we didn't really know how to finish that well per se. But 
I did see guys buying in more. I saw guys playing hard. I saw guys flying around more. Um, it seemed like we had more cohesive cohesiveness as a team. Uh, obviously, there's there's some positions that we just have to put some better talent out there. There's only so much you can do with the amount of talent that you have. But um, it looks like they're trending in the right direction. More so, uh, I think that we just need to really figure out what our identity is as a team, right? Once that identity, that identity and that culture is set, then we'll keep going from there. But I'm not in that locker room. I'm not in those those four walls anymore. So it's easy from the outside looking in to say what we're going to say. But it's completely different when you're sitting in there and you really know what, what what's going on. So you use the word culture, which people throw that word around a lot. Obviously, you played for Bo Pliny, who was a winning coach. Um, and I would say that he had winning culture in that locker room. Uh, can you describe in your best way what winning culture looks like and maybe what what Nebraska needs to do to get to that winning culture? So so for me, like you said, playing for Bo, um, winning culture to, to us might mean something different than um, a different program where you have a coach that isn't as fired up as, as Bo and his staff, right? So to me, winning culture is uh, – did you guys watch the Redskins game last night? Redskins-Cowboys? Uh, yeah. Do you, see, do you see Jonathan Allen punch my mans in the face? Yeah. Nick oh, Nick. yeah. <laughs> that to me, personally, to me, like something like that is, is, is a winning culture. Like you're going to get into it sometimes. Coach is going to rip you, but you just respond. Like you don't get in your feelings. You don't go crying about it. You don't talk about how you're going to transfer the next day. You just – you respond. You all stick together and you get back on the same page. Um it doesn't matter if you're the starter, you're the backup, the backup to the backup. When your opportunity comes, like you just you roll. Right. Um, that's what winning culture is. Uh, I remember being in situations where it looked ugly for us. We didn't know where our season was going to go. We didn't know how, how some games were going to go. But you you see that winning culture come out um, in some of those some of those prime times in some of those those tough moments. Now, are, is it always going to be pretty? Hell no. Like we had games. We got our asses beat. Right. Oh, can I cuss? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop f bombs or whatnot. Oh, you, I we don't. It don't matter. It, it's up to you uh, if you if you don't want. To. Uh, but it's a podcast, so and we we throw f bombs and all, all kinds of bombs on here, so it don't doesn't matter to us. Solid, solid. Listen, we got we've got episodes after every game. I promise you, there are a few f bombs in there. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like that 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 you you see the culture and just like from the from the top down, right? It comes from the AD through the coaches, through the players. You can see it. You can see when there's dysfunction. You can see when things are going smooth. And you can tell in times of dysfunction how the team responds to it, right? I remember having moments where, like, we looked like we were just – it was going to be ugly for us. But then we respond. Somehow, some way, we finish the season with nine wins. We get to a bowl game, um, all that good stuff. Like, I know we didn't capitalize on some of those big games that we should have, but I don't. we live in a time now where you don't really give a coach time to really – get things going you want to you want to move on so quick you want to get to the next person and it takes a long time to get 150 something people in the locker room to buy in yeah for sure and i think we're starting to see that um what you're talking about from the top down right you got trev alberts now at the at the head of the the pack and that dude i think is just a stellar hire i think he's a great dude and i think he's got everybody pretty much moving in the same direction and then you kind of break it down to scott frost and i think that something the beginning of the year i feel like the beginning of his tenure was kind of like, you know, we love everybody and like, you know, every, everybody thinks that like they can come to me for anything and all this other stuff, which is great. But then near the end of the year, you start, start seeing him like, you know, chew some ass on the sidelines and you know, like, what are you doing? Like, what is your problem? Like, why are you making these stupid ass mistakes? Like stuff like that. 
can you talk about a time that maybe uh, Bo might have grabbed your face mask and like screamed at you or like, you know, got on you real bad after a play? Uh, that was like my whole career. <laughs> like, there's so there's so many moments I can't pick one. Like, but I was the type of guy that like when I was especially when I was young and early in my career, I, I had a mouth. I would always have something to say. Right. Oh. I didn't know how to take just be like, you know, don't say nothing. I'd just be like, bro, shut the fuck up. Who are you talking to? Right. Um, but uh, you just learn, like, in those moments when coach is just chewing you, it's not because he's trying to take things personal with you. He might say things that are personal, um, but you can't you can't take it personal. You have to learn how to respond. You got to understand at the end of the day, this is a multi-million dollar industry. Coach's job is on the line. Their family's on the line. You lose your job, you got to pack up and move. So, like, right. it's going to get heated. It's going to get intense. It's not like working at – you know, the post office. And then if you lose your job at the post office, you just go down the street. We're talking moving states. We're talking right. about taking my kids out of school. So when I started to realize those things, I was like, okay, I get it. Like, yeah. It's okay for you to get that mad in moments where it's like, this is, this is life. This isn't just a game. It's, it's, it's business for a lot of people too. Right. Um, a common theme, you know, we've had a few Bo Pelini guys on our pod and a common theme that we hear is, you know, he's, he chews your ass, he gets after you, but you know that it's coming from a place of love. And like, you know, there was that whole fiasco on the sidelines at A&M with Taylor Martinez and all that. But there was always this, this sense of, we loved Bo. We would run through a brick wall for him, you know, despite all that stuff, because we knew that he was coming from a genuine place. Um, You know, I'm assuming you would agree with that, but if you could kind of elaborate more on Bo Pelini's kind of style and do you think Frost should adopt some of his qualities what do you think um I'll answer the last part first about adopting some of his qualities I think that at the end of the day you have to coach to like who you are right you have to be who you are as a man and, and the people in the room have to understand who you are as a person because if they don't understand nothing will ever work right sure. so with Bo um prime example for me is when I got to Nebraska at first, I was always into something, right? It was, it was either I was missing practice or I was tweeting about how we had the military coming in and doing stuff. And I didn't like that. We're doing military stuff. Um, I don't always have something to say or, or, or express my opinion on something. So we butted heads a lot, but throughout that, Bo was just trying to get me to understand that, that life wasn't going to like just be tailored to how Josh wanted it. I couldn't just do whatever I wanted to do all the damn time. And then if I didn't like it, I could just throw a fit. Um, and I saw, I saw contra contradicting things in that with him because I felt like sometimes he would blow his fuse. Right. And I'm like, yeah. hold on, bro. You tell me to blow my fuse, but you blow your fuse. Mm -hmm. But um, in those moments, it's not that he's blowing his fuse because he can't control himself. He always would break it back down to film. He'd take it back to a practice a game situation, whatever it is. And then we would go through exactly what it is. He told us was going to happen and we would fuck it up. So then when he's going <laughs> off, like, I, I mean, what can you say? What can you say? We, we drilled it. We worked it. And now you didn't fuck it up. He's snapping on you. So it's kind of like, mm -hmm. you just got to learn that. And then it, it, Lincoln is so Nebraska is everyone knows your business, right? Yeah. It's time, a fishbowl. What you got going on. They know, they know everything about everybody. And, and not there's nothing negative you could say about Bo outside of you know him cussing some guys out on the sideline. If we're just right. keeping it real, you know what I'm saying. So I think I think he did a phenomenal job um, 
in his tenure at Nebraska with, with what he built. And I think that his time was cut short and he didn't have the support in some areas once Tom was gone. And I, I honestly, I think that the best football teams were those last couple of years we were there. And then um, when Riley came in, I think he had a stacked roster and they could have really did something, but you know, a lot of dysfunction with, from the top down. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Josh, uh, you kind of just, just touched on it, how he was fired and, no, maybe cut short given where we are today. Um, you, you were a, sen- a senior in Bo's last year. What was the like the player reaction all when the news came? Was it kind of surprising, or how do you guys like kind of heard, heard like heard all the whispers like during the season? I can't say that it was surprising um, per se. I would say it was shocking when it happened because we had that big comeback win against Iowa. And yeah, right. on the plane. I will I will never forget getting on the plane and looking at I course and he just looked mad. He didn't look happy that we won, right? Mm-hmm. So the next day when we get up get up and we see on ESPN he was fired, it was just like, but what? It wasn't even like a whole 12 hours later when we saw the news. So um we kind of knew the tides were turning when I course first came in because for football to be in quotations, the biggest program at our school. I don't want to disrespect any other um, programs at our, at our school, but football is supposed to be the biggest program. For a new AD to come in and never really establish a relationship with the coaching staff, with the players, any of that, I think our first meeting with him was the all-athletes meeting. Not saying we got to be anything special or anything like that, but, I mean, you kind of just pop into programs. You go check out their practice. Right. right? Yeah. You don't got to speak to us, but we would have seen his face in the Hawks once. Once that kind of happened, it was kind of like we knew a shift in the – in um what Nebraska was doing. You could feel it. Like they wanted to clean up the image. Um, Bo was all over ESPN, always snapping on people. So, yeah, it just didn't – to, to us, it didn't feel like he was going to be a fit much longer. And uh, we didn't go out there and win a Big Ten championship. So, the writing was kind of on the wall. Right. So, did, so I, of course, didn't, like, mingle with you guys at all. Like, he didn't, like, talk to you guys ever. He didn't make a relationship with anybody over there. Um. One second. Do you, yeah, you got yeah, it. Hey, you're good, man. All right, cool. Yeah, he, he, just, uh, he wants to tear stuff up right now. <laughs> um, it didn't feel genuine. I would say it didn't feel genuine with I course. Like, um, I don't like to compare people, right, because we're all different people, right? So with Tom, right. he was the type of person where he knew every athlete's name. It didn't matter what sport you play, golf, tennis, volleyball, football, basketball, swam. It didn't matter. If he saw you in the Hawks, he knew your name. He'd be walking by and he'd be like, hey, Jessica, hey, so-and-so, hey, Josh, hey, right? And right. with I-Course, he just was kind of a ghost. He was just strictly business. Um, you could tell he didn't really want to get close with anyone because in, in, in my definition of it, you didn't want to get close with anyone because, shit, everyone was going to be gone. Right. And you looked up and <laughs> everyone was gone after we graduated. Yeah. So with – that feeling does does that type of pressure and the the words that were outside the building do they do they creep in on a team and does does that affect morale and and how you guys execute? Maybe in I will say maybe in some of the young guys we didn't really have a conversation about it but like the older vets in our crew no um, at the end of the day it didn't matter what I course thought he wasn't our coach um, so for us it was we were just gonna go ride for our coaches we were. It, if man, Bo could have Bo could have told us to go freaking storm the Capitol, we would have done it, you know. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just that was our guy. So it didn't matter 
who came in and how they felt about it. Um, we were going to play hard for them. We we're going to give them our all. And at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's all he asked for. Yeah. So a couple notes on, on what you just said. I mean, number one, you look at Trev Alberts. And I mean, the dude is literally like tweeting at, at football players and athletes on their way out. Like you were so great. We love you. Like all this other stuff. And like, I think that's super cool that he's building a relationship <laughs> with players inside the programs. And then uh, Scott Frost, um, <clears throat> even with a three and nine. Okay. Let's look at the last game against Iowa, right? Three and eight going into that game. And you've still got a football team that is fighting for you all the way to the end of the season, even though you know you're not going to make a bowl game. Still close games. I mean, you lost that heartbreaker with Iowa, um, but you've got you've got a head coach that kids are playing hard for you. So, I mean, that's a good sign at least. A hundred percent. You can see it, right? Like I said, I'm not in the building. So, for, for me, I'm watching from California, watching the games on TV, and you can tell who's, like, playing hard. You can see who's playing for the coach. It's the difference between playing for your teammates and playing for your program and your coach and playing for yourself. You can see who's out there just trying to get stats, who's trying to trying to improve their draft stock, and who's just going hard for the squad, right? And, right, and I yep. feel like this team has been going hard for Scott, and that's that's encouraging. Yeah. Um, let's, let's stick with this current squad. We just had three significant coaching hires. Mickey Joseph – um, he's going to be working with the offense, you know, associate head coach, right? And wide receivers. Wide receivers. He's going to be like the recruiting guy, right? And we have um, Raiola that just got hired as the offensive line coach. Yep. And then, of course, kind of kind of the the nice name, the, the kind of veteran dude, Whipple from Pitt as our offensive coordinator. Do you have kind of – any opinion on these guys? Have you had any run-ins with these guys? What have your What are your overall impressions of these new hires? So I haven't had any run run-ins with them. Um, I can't say that I've followed any of, any of their coaching careers enough for me to say, "Oh, that was a great hire or a bad hire." More so, it's, it's conversations I've had with others that have, that have either had some experience with them or followed them. Um, and all it all seems positive. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, your coaching pedigree and your coaching um, record and all that stuff does matter, but it doesn't matter when you go somewhere new because you start completely over. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Must not be too bad because you're not getting up. So it, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he's not yeah, punching the walls just, or nothing. <laughs> this dude, he fell on his face as hard as he could earlier. Uh, my mother-in-law freaks out like, oh, no, and I'm, I don't hear him whine, so I'm like, oh, he's fine. <laughs> hey, you can take a hit like his dad, then, right? Yeah. yeah, he's he's tough, he's tough. But I'm gonna I'm gonna move over to another room because he's going to keep slamming this thing. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mike, I'm gonna throw it over to you for uh, the next question for yeah. Josh. So, Josh, um, you know, you you're a guy from California, and you came all the way from California to Nebraska. Can you talk about your recruiting process? What made you choose Nebraska over other schools that recruited you? And, and maybe just go into that a little bit, and then we can kind of talk a little bit about Transfer Portal and your opinion on that as well. Yeah, so for me, like I said, I wasn't highly recruited, right? Like, I, I think I became a three-star after, after I got my Nebraska offer. But there was these three receivers at our school, Austin Hill, Tyler Slavin, and Harold Mobley, that, that a lot of schools wanted. They were all over six foot one, six two, um, all over 200 pounds, just monsters, right? Um, and I was fortunate enough to play on the same team with those guys. So for me, 
um, they would bring in a lot of scouts and then we would play like Centennial High School that Taylor went to, Norco High School that produced Toby Gerhardt and a lot of studs. Um, Damian Stafford came from there as well. So like those, those are some of our biggest games, some of the biggest teams we played. So for me, I always knew that if I showed out in those games, I'd give myself a chance because I would get a lot of interest and a lot of mail. And then when coaches would see me, they'd be like, oh, hell no, this dude is way too small. I'm like 135 pounds, 140 pounds <laughs> this year. You know, um, I'm putting double fucking thigh pads in my pants to make my legs look <laughs> uh, Whatever I can, it is. I'm, I'm editing my, my height and weight on my highlight tape. I'm putting my highlight tape on like 175. I'm like 140. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, my brother was at Colorado State. They offered me. I took a trip there. had a good time. I was set on going to Colorado State, playing with my brother. Nebraska offered me. I didn't really know much about Nebraska. Every time I looked up stuff, I was like, this looks like the middle of nowhere. They keep on talking about these national championships in the 90s. I don't give a fuck. Um, right. <laughs> all that stuff. So it wasn't really until I took my trip. When I took my trip to Lincoln, I was like, what? <laughs> we have so many teams in California. You got so many colleges you got so many pro teams and it's like it's all fair weather out here you like the lakers on lakers are hot you like the clippers on the clippers are hot. well no one really likes clippers i'm not gonna say that um, <laughs> like the you like the dodgers when the dodgers are hot you'll float you'll flirt in and out with the with the angels you know you're gonna be a usc fan a ucla fan a cal fan a san diego state fan all that right so when i got to lincoln i was just like whoa hell's going yeah. on here and nothing else going on top. yeah Hey, people are screaming your name. You're coming down the tunnel. I'm just a three-star recruit. They're treating me like I'm a five-star, like I'm going to change the program. And at that age, like, yeah, feed my ego, please. Keep feeding. Right. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm like that. You couldn't tell me I wasn't the number one corner in the nation. I'll go, like, you know? Yeah. I, I played in some of those guys that were, like, the top player in the nation. I'm like, ain't no way you like this dude more than me. You just like his body, which is, you know. But you can keep that over there. Um, <laughs> So for me, it was all it was all physical. So Nebraska felt like a place where like Bo and Carl, they wanted me because I was like my football skills. Right. They wanted me because of like my savviness on the field, how I understood the game. Um, they never once said anything to me about my size. They never said you got to get bigger and you got to get this and that. That was more so left up to the strength staff. But for me, they just they told me like what they saw in, in my playing ability, what they th thought I could do. Um what they thought the future would look like for me with, with football and academics and all that good stuff. And, and to me, I felt like it was a perfect fit. It was an opportunity for me to play on prime time in big games against big time op opponents. At the time we were big 12, we weren't even big 10. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that, you know, we're going to be playing the Texas and Oklahoma. They're going to be airing it out. So for me, I'm like, where else are you going to get an opportunity to show you really like that? Right. Uh, it was, a, it was a no brainer to me once once that came through and some of my other big offers like the UCLA's of the world, the organs of the world, they they kind of did me like everybody else and was like, hey, he's not big enough. And Nebraska stuck with me. I've told all the guys here, I believe players commit to coaches and not schools. Did, did you commit to the coaching staff or did you commit to the university? I will say, I'd say both, right? So um, initially you're committing to a coaching staff because you haven't taken a trip, right? Um, you're like, okay, I like this, this coach. I like so-and-so that came and sat on my couch and we had a good conversation. Um, and then you get to the place, you get to see the campus, you get to talk to the um, academic advisor, you get to, um, you know, just see kids on campus, people in the community, all that good stuff on a trip. You get to go out and go to a party or two and hang out with other guys on the team. So yeah, you commit to a coaching staff and then you also fall in love with, with the place, right? You're going to be there yeah. for the next four and a half, five years. So you got to be comfortable somewhere. And 
what I will say is on a recruiting trip is completely different than day one when you show up. Uh, <laughs> but I remember getting there in my first month. I called my dad almost every day, like, why the hell you let me come here? Like, this didn't right. make any sense. <laughs> but, yeah. You just got to adapt to the new culture and you got, you just grow. Like, I felt like I grew so much in Nebraska um, as a man. And I felt like I needed to be in that type of environment. Yeah. Well, and, and you, you brought up a good point too. It's like Nebraska, when you, if you can actually get the guy on campus and Scott Frost says this all the time, if you can get the guy here, it sells itself. Like the fan base, in my opinion, it's second to none. Yeah. I mean, I think our fan base, they're pains in the asses, but they show up no matter what. I mean, they're at games when you're three and eight and they, they fill the stadium. Like they, they support you guys through, through everything. And you just don't get that treatment. I mean, go watch, go look at USC this year when they fired their coach, they were lucky to get 20,000 fans in that stadium. And that's a historical mm-hmm. venue, you know? So yep. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. If you can get a guy here and get to experience the college life and get to experience the fan base, I think it does sell itself. Hundred uh, percent. Like, like I said, when I, when we landed in Lincoln, right? Because we got on that little plane. We got a, we flew to Colorado, got on that little plane, and then um, it's me and like three other giants, right? So when you're on the plane, the people are looking like, okay, I, I think they're they're recruits. So you know, you get to talking to people, and then they're showing you love. Even to the airport, and people are showing you love, and it's not, it's not weird, right? It doesn't feel forced. It's genuine. And yeah. they're not just like, oh, you're a football player. I like you. It's more so like Lincoln's great. The university's great. I love Nebraska. You'll love Nebraska. Not, not, hey, man, I, I heard you're a great football player and we need great football players. You know, like that's not the conversation. So it feels genuine. You're like, okay, that's, that, that's what's up. Then you just get to Lincoln and you're kind of like, what is this? Right? So it's not a cornfield. <laughs> exactly. Then you pull yeah. to the stadium and, and, and you get to see campus, which is, and it's like, oh, it's all connected, right? The football field, the football stadium is connected to the practice facility, which is connected to the weight room, which is correct, connected to training table. And you walk right out the stadium and you're right on campus. Like, that is so dope. So, so dope. Um, and, and then game day happens. And there's just, <laughs> you don't see that at other places. Like, I've been to other venues. I've been to other loud venues, like, as a player, as a spectator, and there's literally nothing like it. Um, I haven't been to anything like it yet, right? So I don't care if you go to an Alabama game. I don't care if you go to an SEC game. I don't care if you go somewhere else. It's not, it's not the same. It's just, it's, it's just not. I just think our fans are a little too nice sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's jump into recruiting in 2021. Uh, this year, players have the ability to compensate on their name, image, and likeness. Does Josh Mitchell like that? Would you have liked that when you played? And what are your thoughts on that moving forward for future of college sports? I love everything about it. I have my own NIL team through my business, Gut Check. Um, so I have my own athletes that I sponsor, uh, local athletes that played either in my high school or from my city that I sponsor those guys. So I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for athletes getting the opportunity to brand themselves, right? I would say my brand – Will I don't know if it'll ever be bigger or if I ever reach what it was when I was in Nebraska. And I wish I would have had the opportunity to grow my brand while I was in school, when my name was the hottest, when I um, when I was when I was doing something that people were legitimately like interested in, right? Um, so I'm all for the NIL. I think that I think that anything can get messy, right? There's pros and cons to anything. Uh, nothing is just always green, and nothing as bad as is, is nothing is as bad as they always say it is. So. You're going to have instances where guys are going to go, they're going to chase the money, right? 
You're going to have instances where guys um, chase the endorsements or whatever it is, but you can't tell me these coaches don't. You can't right. tell me right. that. People, at the end of the day, you should you should pick where you want to go based on what you want. No one can tell you what you want. No one can tell you, like, you might like the school. You might like the academics. You might like the coach. You might like the money. Who gives a damn? Right. It's your decision. So 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 do it. And if somebody wants to pay you an X amount of dollars before you step on the field or, or you've already stepped on the field and you produce this and they want to pay you for it, cool. I have right. no problem with that whatsoever. I totally agree. I, I mean, anybody at any point, especially during COVID, everybody started building their own brand, right? Starting little businesses, starting little hobbies, things like that. So it's like, you know, somebody that has a million people watching them any given Saturday should have the same opportunity to make money the same way everybody else does. Yep. Why not? Why not? All right. So maybe this can be our final question of the night. I don't know yeah. No, I think, yeah, we can kind of. Okay. So Josh, I think this will be our final question of the night. Um, I did read, you know, before I just want to highlight some, I read that in your senior year in 2014, you guys only allowed four quarterbacks to have a completion percentage over 50%. And I, I read that stat and I'm like, damn, I mean, you guys had you won nine games, and but I, I'm just like only four quarterbacks out of you know at least thirteen only completed fifty percent or more of their uh, percent of their passes. I'm like, damn, that's pretty good. Honestly, when I when I look back at that secondary that we had in my senior year, we had a lot of talent, right? We might not have put put out like the NFL star power that people people expect to see when you when you have a a secondary that puts out stats like that, but. We were really like brothers. We were we were really homies. We hung out together. We really watched film together. We lived next to each other or with each other. Um, and we just believed in us, right? So I think when you have that, then you you have the opportunity to to do what we do. Um, I'm sorry, to do what we did. And I mean that's 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 not shocking to me. It might be shocking to other people, but to me, nah, not at all. So I yeah. guess I guess my question, sorry, I didn't even ask it, but I guess my question would be. What is your most valuable experience at Nebraska, and why is it that 2014 game versus Miami? Oh, I love that. And the highlight reel just showed you jumping on that dude with that goofy-ass face mask. <laughs> Getting in his face. That was great. Yeah. Um, that game was amazing. I can't, it wasn't really like a highlight game of my career, though, because like I was kind of bored. I didn't get a whole lot of action outside of that touchdown. I didn't get the ball chucked at me too much. Um, but the atmosphere was electric, like super electric. Yes, it um, was. One of my favorite moments in like in my entire career at Nebraska would have been the spring game when we did the Team Jack run. Like that yeah. was yes. that turned, yeah. turned into so much, right? Um, the foundation, what Rex and that family and, and um, what Rex did, has done for that family and with that family, um, just all the trials and tribulations um, that, that came before, came after. Uh, and honestly, that that stuck with me forever. We still do Team Jack. We still go back to Lincoln. I'll be back in Lincoln this year for Team Jack. So uh, cool. that's by far the most memorable moment I've ever had in my career. And that was that was super special. And you've seen so many people replicate it since then. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of fans could say that's probably the most memorable time that they've ever been in Memorial Stadium. Like if, if you were at that, if you were at that and you witnessed that, I mean that it gives you chills just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I was gonna say I was in the stadium yeah. and I had chills and I once you brought it up, I it like replicated. I was like yeah. 
that that was not an answer I was expecting because, and because that, that was awesome. Yeah, because that was not a trend at the time. That was not something that you saw everywhere else. That was not that was like original to Nebraska, and it was something that everybody really loved. And I think that, that it was just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Josh, do you want to? I got a aside from your home stadium because obviously it's the best, but your favorite place to play and your least favorite place to play throughout your entire career in Nebraska. Favorite place to play. I'm always going to say Iowa because like anytime you get to go into Iowa, like I'm just trying to shove it to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. I got, I got no love for that program. I don't hate the program. But I just got no love for that program. You know what I'm saying? Like that's all I love. It. It um, Very diplomatic hated, of you. Place I hated to play the most though. Man, it would be Wisconsin because they just used to whoop our ass, man. And I hated that because I remember we went there. It had to be 14. When we went there, yep. we were putting it on them that first quarter. And I know. One play just snowballed. And it was just like, bro, not again. <laughs> then they get to doing that jump around and it's electric. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. And it's over after like, that. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting my booked on national TV right now. And I'm like watching the jump around like yo this is dope <laughs> right right yeah i hated that i hated that so josh uh if you don't mind you want to tell the listeners kind of what you do now um obviously we had talked about that you are in california now you're back at home tell the listeners what you do now plug yourself where can they find you and uh yeah yeah so what i do now is i train athletes um locally uh, I have some athletes that come from out of state, uh, professional athletes, high school athletes, youth athletes. Um, I, my, my business name is Gut Check. You can find me on Instagram at Gut Check USA. You can also find me on Instagram at J underscore Mitch 05 on Instagram. Uh, my website's under construction. Also, I'll have that up at the top of the year. But yeah, so for me, um, what I do is, is I like to tell people I specialize on training athletes' minds, right? The physical part's the physical part. We can all work on that. But I like to, I like to, to, to flip that switch in the athlete's mind to, to build their confidence and to show them that if you put in a certain amount of work, you truly believe in what you're trying to do, you can accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. That The road's never going to be easy. And um, there's going to be a lot of trials and tribulations in that. There's going to be a lot of adversity in there. But at the end of the day, I believe in my story, and um, I believe that if I could have done the things that I did at a high level, at, and when a lot of people said that I couldn't do it, any anyone can do it, right? Um, with the right work ethic, with the right mindset, and for me, that's that's the biggest thing. Is I want to I want to change the way athletes think. I want to change the way athletes deal with adversity. I want to change the way athletes view themselves, um, ultimately because. Uh, the mind is the most powerful thing that we have, right? So if, if we can get that to click early in an athlete's life, they'll, they'll only become that much better by the time they start to hit the late high school, college realm. So that's what I do. That's what I love to do. Um, I like to keep it smaller and local. I'm not trying to, my thing is, I like to say, I'm not trying to train a thousand athletes. Um, I'm trying to train one to become the next one and, and go from there. Man, that's so dope. That's like full circle. That's your story. And now you're using that to, to help other people, man. That's super sweet. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and there are going to be no gut check Lincoln. That would have been, you don't want to brand it. I'm sure there's plenty of guys that would uh, love to take your vision out here in Lincoln and, and run with it too. So yeah. hey, hey, maybe, maybe we have some things in the works. Maybe we don't. Hey, okay. Hey, okay. Right. I said, I know we, we've talked to a couple of your former teammates and they're doing some stuff 
uh, that, that would align really well with that. So we'll just leave it at that. But uh, Josh Mitchell, I want to thank you again for joining the No Block, No Rock podcast. Uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. And uh, you have a wonderful evening and a happy holidays. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas. Have a fantastic New Year. It's all love, baby. All right, Thanks, man. Hey, Thanks, man. man. Take care. More Take wins, bro. baby. Yep, more wins. Josh Mitchell, thank you once again for joining the No Block, No Rock podcast. All our listeners, if you could, you know, go follow him on Instagram. Go learn more about Gut Check, um, that organization that he is running right now. Um, we we sounds like he's doing great work, and he even said the the thing that I liked most was he said that the mind is like just as important as the physical aspect, and it's like this team was the prime example of that very principle at work. Yeah. Perfectly talented. Right. Just can't get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your mind is, is killing you. Those six inches right in between your ears. Yep. Right? Yep. And it sounds like his services would be more than welcome in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. I would I would love a gut check to come to Lincoln, maybe in the future here. I, I think we future, I wish it could be next year, but, um, you know, go give him a follow. Indeed. And speaking of follows... I'm following Nebraska Brewing Company on Twitter. Not only that, we're all in their tap room right now. We are? Yeah. Oh, look at that. <laughs> hey, we're back in Where the NBC I? tap room. We've been sipping on a little something, something. Mike, what you been sipping on, man? I'm sipping on their all-new Lemon Rattler. It is only Ooh. available on tap here at the Nebraska Brewing Company tap room in Papillion, Nebraska. It's pretty good. It's very good. And it's not Papillion, it's La Vista. God damn it. It's all right. Okay, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I am drinking Betsy the Sugar Mama, which is a milk stout. goes down very smooth. I like it very much. Kyle, if you were drinking, what do you think that you'd be uh, sipping on right now? Uh, so either the Taco Vesa or um, what's the one? For Alestorm. The Alestorm. Um, those two are my favorites. I, you know, I just, I needed to hydrate today. So again, I'm, I'm drinking water. That Nebraska Brewing Company water, huh? Yeah. And and in fact, they, they actually, they do have water here. They do. And it's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty good. Like it's, it's essential for like your survival. Yeah. (laughs) So come in, enjoy some water or maybe, uh, a nice craft beer. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, you guys, please come visit the Nebraska Brewing Company Tap Room, 108th and Harrison in La Vista, Nebraska. I mean, we appreciate their services here. They're very welcoming. Um, if you guys want to host a party here, just get in touch with them. Um, Connor Cavillac is our dude. He's our he's our connect. He's our plug for this. So get in touch with them, and um, we appreciate their business, and they would definitely appreciate yours. Buy our merch. Buy some shirts. Buy a sweatshirt. It's getting colder now, believe it or not. We had a mild December. It is getting colder. Yes. New Year's is supposed to be like single digits. We're getting to that horse shit again. It's Nebraska weather. Buy a sweatshirt. You need to warm up. Crew We need the money. Crewnecks. Sweatshirts. Handbags. <laughs> Kyle yeah, is drinking water and freaking... Hauling that tote around. Yep. Go get yourself a KB tote bag. It looks good, though. Created by KB. It looks good. Yep. Um, But yeah, guys, nbnrpodcast.com. You can find all that there. You can find our past episodes there. A lot of special guests. 
Um, Twitter at NBNR Podcast. Yeah, you guys, let's sign off. Let's end this thing. Let's mercy, mercy kill. Yeah, this is mercy. <laughs> this is one of your hosts, Jared Hall, Kyle Byers, Mike Delaware, and I'm Eric Morrow. And as always, more wins and GBR. <laughs>